0: It's a subject that is vital for our understanding of the scriptures because if we get it wrong we blame the wrong person or the wrong being for what, when we do wrong. You see most in the world describe the devil as being one who's in control of evil and causes each of us to do wrong. And what we hope to show tonight is nothing in fact could be further from the truth. The devil, we will see, is in fact that which causes us to do wrong. But it is part of each and every one of us. It is part of the nature that each of us possesses. In our readings that we had in First of John 3 and verse 8, the apostle wrote, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And if we can identify what the devil, um, who the devil, or what the devil is that's spoken of here, we can understand what this refers to. We can understand what the devil actually is and that it makes us our own worst enemy. Well, why is this subject important? When we look at that quotation there, it stresses the importance of understanding what constitutes the devil. Because Christ was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. It's obvious that we will not understand God's plan and purpose of salvation unless we understand what is meant by this verse. Unless we understand what the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, came to destroy. What I hope to show is that, unfortunately, the commonly accepted ideas upon the subject of the devil are astray from the Bible. And I say, unfortunately, not because it's something we would like to believe, but it leads many astray from the things of the truth, the things of the Bible and of Almighty God. You see, if you were to speak to the average person out there on the street and ask what the devil is, he'd probably tell you he's some sort of superhuman monster, a fallen angel, someone who dominates the minds of humanity and makes man sin. And this teaching is used to induce fear, the fear of the devil, into people, and it produces an excuse for sin by allowing them to blame it on him. The doctrine is not only unscriptural, but it's also a reflection on God's love and omnipotence. Because why would God allow mortal man to be dominated by a powerful, a dep- or a more powerful being, a depraved fallen angel, if he had the strength to destroy him. And if God is omnipotent, as God is omnipotent, why does not God rid himself of this devil if he is a fallen angel from heaven, that resides in heaven? Logic would set aside the normal teaching of the devil as an unsound and unscientific, and the teaching of the Bible is in conformity with this statement. You see, the Bible reveals that the devil is a more familiar figure than is normally recognised. It's not a fallen angel or a supernatural being, but a synonym for human nature in its various forms. It teaches that we are responsible for the sins we commit. But the Bible also proclaims the means whereby sin can be forgiven and human nature controlled to an extent the nature which drives us to sin, that nature which drives us to do those things that are opposed to almighty God. And what we find throughout scripture is that controlling this nature and the forgiveness of sins is essential for the salvation of each one of us. And hence it's necessary for us to know what constitutes the devil if we are to successfully resist its power. Well, then what is the Bible definition of the devil? The mission of the Lord Jesus Christ is explained in this verse. Where it says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. So in this passage of scripture, we told that Christ came to destroy the devil. The devil is that which hath the power of death. And Christ partook of human nature and died in order to destroy the devil. And fourthly, In so so doing, he delivered others from the power of the devil and from the power of death. If we can scripturally define what Christ came to destroy and that which has the power of death, we understand what constitutes the devil. And as far as the Bible is concerned, this investigation leads to one answer, and it's called sin. If we consider a few passages we find that Christ came to destroy sin. He, we told in Hebrews 9 verse 26 that he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. In 1 Corinthians 15 uh, verse 3, Christ died for our sins. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 24, he bare our sins in his own body on the tree. And in 1 John 3 and verse 5, he was manifest to take away our sins. But we also find that sin was the original cause of death. We find that the wages of sin is death. We're told that by one man, not a supernatural devil or a fallen angel, by one man sin entered into the world and death by uh, by sin. And we're also told in of Corinthians 15 and verse 56 that the sting of death is sin. So if we put these passages together, we find that Christ came to destroy sin. And also that the power of death is in sin. And what we conclude if we go through the scriptures is that the, a devil is a synonym for sin. You see, the fallacy of the idea that the devil is a fallen angel is illustrated by the definition of the Apostle Paul in that passage we looked at before in Hebrews 2 and verse 14. How can the death of Jesus encompass the destruction of a powerful, a superhuman fallen angel? And if it did, why is sin still manifest in the world if it was a being? A supernatural being that was destroyed in his death. But rather, once we recognise that the devil relates to sin and that sin comes from within each of us, we can acknowledge that the atoning blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is a powerful weapon to defeat and destroy sin. It defeats the power of sin by providing the means of forgiveness. It conquers death through the promise of resurrection and eternal life. If we turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20 to 26 and we read there, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order Christ the firstfruits, and afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he hath put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And so what we find is that the Lord Jesus Christ will ultimately put that last enemy under his feet, the enemy of death, when he returns and establishes God's kingdom on this earth. And when death is destroyed, sin will also be destroyed. Well then what is sin? We find that sin is primarily disobedience. If we turn back to our reading please in 1st of John chapter 3 and verse 4 we find that 1st of John 3 and verse 4 whosoever committeth sin transgresseth the law for sin is the transgression of the law and we find that the first sin was punished by man becoming related to death and as a result of sin or disobedience Mortality became incidental on all, all human nature to the point where it is now possessed by each of us. And we have that in Genesis 3 verse 19, sorry, where we'd have in the sweat of thy face the punishment that was given to Adam after he transgressed in the Garden of Eden. He was told that in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. We find that because Adam and Eve transgressed that law which God gave them, the punishment was given to them that dust thou art, they will die again. They were from the earth and they were going to return to the earth again. Dust thou art and unto dust shalt thou return. But throughout the scriptures we find that sin is also given a secondary meaning because we find that men are said to have been made sinners. In Romans 5 verse 19 we're told that by one man's disobedience many were made sinners. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, sorry, uh, on Romans 9, the Lord Jesus Christ is described as having been made sin for us, but he was one who did not sin. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21 we have, for he hath made him